1: abby hornacek
2: this is Dr. carlson
1: and i'm jessica tarlov this is the fox news rundown
2: tuesday june 21st 2022 i'm dave anthony the economy has been shaky the stock market's been falling leading to a big question
3: are we already in recession there are enough people households now that are already in recession, that it's a moot point for them. Uh, You know, if you look at these surveys on how much folks are cutting back.
2: We talk with Fox Business Network's Charles Payne.
4: I'm Alex Hogan. Little ones as young as six months old are now officially
5: eligible for the coronavirus vaccine. Many people have kept their children in a bubble and restricted their activities because of fear of COVID.
1: And I'm Tommy Lahren. I've got the final word on the Fox News Rundown.
2: Times keep getting tougher. The economy may be shrinking for a second quarter in a row, but President Biden insists there's nothing inevitable about a recession. He's hoping we can avoid one with the Federal Reserve hiking interest rates trying to tame inflation that's been at a 40-year high. And the president is considering something new to save us gas money. Suspending the 18-cent-per-gallon federal gasoline tax. Well, I hope I have a decision based on the data I'm looking for by, uh, by the end of the week. That's the president on a beach in Delaware. He also sees a silver lining in $5 gas. We have a chance here to make a fundamental turn toward renewable energy, electric vehicles. Republicans bristle at that. Senator Ron Johnson tells Fox.
5: This is something that Democrats and President Biden caused. They are the root cause to open borders, to four-year high inflation, to record gasoline and high energy prices.
2: All the inflation and rate hikes and May's drop in retail sales have spooked investors. Wall Street is coming off a long holiday weekend after the Dow dropped to December 2020 levels, back under 30,000. It's fallen 11 of the last 12 weeks and down 18 percent this year. The Nasdaq has lost almost a third of
3: its value. You know, to put it in even a greater perspective, the start of the year so far is the second worst in history, going back to the 30s. I think 1932 was worse. Charles Payne is the host of Making Money on the Fox Business Network. If we work our way backwards... Uh, you know, we've had the uh, the inflation scare that we're dealing with right now. Now we're concerned about recession. Uh, in the midst of all of that, how will the Fed handle everything? Uh, earlier this year, beginning of the year, we had the war uh, in Ukraine. But even before that, I think sort of the genesis to, of this goes back to the pandemic. We entered 2021 in amazing shape. I mean, that's what happens when you actually print out $10 trillion, about split evenly between the federal government and the, and the uh in the Federal Reserve. Uh, So household budgets were at the best place they've ever been. Disposable income after you pay your bills was the best place it's ever been. Well, job markets, a lot of people are working. Yeah, yeah, no. We were were in the right direction, but when we added the extra money, we also had, uh, we were paying people a lot of money not to work. That sparked the wage spiral, which in all of these things, what happens is they take on a life of their own. So businesses couldn't find anyone to work. So they had to offer more money. Yeah, right. And as you start to offer more money, you know, it, it, you know, prices go up. And as prices go up, you offer more money. It's a wage spiral that has been devastating for small businesses this year. In fact, every single month this year, according to ADP, uh, small businesses one to nineteen employees they've lost workers qu- a quarter of a million workers. All right, and 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 that's even after they've had to raise the pay when if they, they were getting
2: people. If they could. That's yeah, the problem. If, if they could, yeah.
3: You know, when Amazon is saying, okay, we'll give you 25 bucks and pet insurance. <laughs> it's like, you know, and then yeah. you got uh, Joe's barbecue grill on the corner. Him and his wife, they've worked uh, about 25 years each. They got grandma's recipe. They always said it would be their dream to open up this place. And so they did. And guess what? Things were pretty good, you know? Uh, the vaccine came in. People started coming down to the restaurant. The takeout orders were fantastic. But then they just couldn't find the employees. And that's yeah. by the way, it's across the board, everywhere you go. And again, it was an amazing time, but this is the hangover right now. And it's it's gonna it's gonna be really imperative that somehow we navigate this in a way where it doesn't become the exact opposite. You know, the wage spiral on the upside. We don't want it to become sort of death spiral.
2: We've really gone in a in a spiral, like you, you use the word. It
3: seems like we're in one. Do you think we're in a recession? I wouldn't be surprised if we're, if we, uh, if we, if we are in one. Um, You know, it's, I think it's the speed uh, that you alluded to that really has been the shocker. Uh How quickly? Yeah. And when that first quarter GDP number came out, every economist was like, ah, you know what? It was a little quirk in the system. Uh, China was shut down. We couldn't send exports out. You know, it was just that little bit of a quirky thing inventory. It's like, oh, okay, you know, no big deal. Right now, the Atlanta Fed, uh, they tracked their, you know, this quarter and they're at zero. They were at two and a half percent two weeks ago. So, uh, so there's a really good chance we are in recession. There's a good chance we're in recession. You know, if you wanted to get technical, then the National Bureau of Economic Research is the one that timestamps it. But yeah, that might be all, a year from now, right? And to be quite frank with you, there are enough people, households now that are already in recession that it's a moot point for them. Uh, you know, if you look at these surveys on how much folks are cutting back. Uh, You know, uh, a parent cutting back on a meal so everybody can eat. 9% of families, everybody cuts back on a meal. Well,
2: because everything's expensive. Gas, 5 bucks, foods, surging prices as well. So, when you get down to the Fed taking the action it's taking, trying to catch up with inflation, there have been critics that said the Fed was too late to this party, and they're not going to be able to avoid a recession, but they may cause it by raising rates too much, and then consumers can't borrow
3: yeah it's a it's they definitely were too late i mean there's there's not even a, a debate they would admit as much uh Powell has more or less admitted as much uh you know he, uh, he retired to where transitory late last year. they tried uh, to tell us it was going to go away pretty quick yeah and I, you know I think honestly it's not just Powell and the Fed, right? There's so many economists, so many world renowned economists. And you just kind of wonder sometimes do you. The occasionally have to leave the lab and go to a local supermarket, right? <laughs> it's just yeah, cause people are hurting. How, I don't know how to get it wrong. So wrong though, you know. I I think one of the problems too is, is to be quite frank with you, when we were spending to that degree, Americans like to shop. Yeah. I mean, in general, we oh, really yeah. do. We love to go out there. We love having bags in our hands. We and, got credit cards and yeah, everything. Yeah. And, and so all of a sudden, you know, they didn't stop shopping. And, and to your point, uh, savings rates have come down. And credit card debt has gone up. Last month, they finally caught up. We we set a new record: 1.1 trillion in credit card debt. The good news is, as a percentage of GDP and household income, we're still a long ways away. Uh, but and I and I fear that people are going to spend. Uh, you know, even though the retail sales number was a mess, again, they still bought a lot of stuff at the at the gas station, and, and they're still going out. The, well, that's the, the, the problem. We're spending more of our budget at the gas station. Sure, we have no choice. It's, um, it's, it's a delicate, very difficult situation, and if the Fed is aggressively hiking rates, which of course they are, and they're going to start letting some money roll off their balance sheet, at the same time we're in a recession, this will be the first time in history. So we're experimenting right now. We're in the midst of an experiment right now. Well, that doesn't sound good. No, it doesn't. And that's why the market has come down the way it has. The bond market has come I mean, there's no place to hide. The, you know, It's really tough. It's for folks who have followed the so-called 60-40 portfolio. What is that? Uh, 60% of your money in stocks, 40% in bonds. Yeah. It's sort of like, you know, whenever well, you go to- we're told it, to be exactly. wise. Balance our portfolio. Right. So, whenever you go see a financial advisor, that's always what they tell you. So we're going to go 60-40. Well, the 60-40 portfolio has been smashed to smithereens. Smashed to smithereens. It's because bonds have been crushed. So what it, do you do? I don't know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> You're I the mean, expert. You're supposed I mean, to know. I mean, not near term, honestly, near term, I, I've had my subscribers, we're about 40% cash. We were 50% cash, and I started to nibble. And I think I nibbled too early, so we're at forty percent cash right now. And even though cash loses its worth, and it during these inflationary periods, it doesn't go down ten percent in a day. Yeah, right. No, it doesn't. Right, right, so, right. So, uh, listen, I think we're also getting to the point where it's going to be overdone on the stock market. I see the stock market coming back before. The, the the nation comes back because it is something of a six month, 12 month forward looking harbinger of things to come. Uh, so I'm hoping that sometime in uh, next July, August, that starts to turn. But wait, wait, wait. You're talking about a year from now. Well, for everyone, for this whole thing to be cleared, either that or it's a. Well, we have a choice. We may have a choice. The, the Fed has a choice, really, a decision to make. How bad do you derail this economy to reel in inflation? And do you really, really crush it? Uh, Inflation's like, worse than recession, in your, in your opinion? Are they doing the right thing? They're doing the right thing now. Uh, but you brought up the point earlier that's the most important, is that they're so, so behind the, you know, the curve that they may actually mess up on the other side of this equation. Let me get to the stock
2: market. You've talked about how it's not, not easy right now. Most people or say they have their money in their 401Ks, right? What is someone supposed to be doing right now? Honestly, you're supposed to keep buying. If you've done nothing except just
3: let your financial advisor handle your
2: 401K, is that a bad strategy? Well, I, I
3: like to see people get a little bit more involved. Uh, I really do. I think there's so much information out there now. It's it's really, you know, it's not like performing heart surgery on yourself, right? And like, you know, looking at, looking at a, <laughs> a YouTube video, it's a little easier than that. And so... I really like to see people know more about what they're buying, okay. understand more what the game plan is, have more of a voice. It's their money. Um, but, so, but it's tough to know what to do if you do make changes right well, now, it's, right? It's, it's tough to know in certain ways, but it's not impossible. It's, it's far from impossible. You can find yourself a couple of nice, strong dividend-paying stocks. You know There are ways to ride this out. I think you should have more cash than normal. Uh, you know, and, uh, But also, I think this summer, you should be an aggressive buyer. A lot of people were
2: aggressive buyers late last year, early this year in Bitcoin. Cryptocurrencies, they've taken a bath. Bitcoin's, it's lost like two-thirds of its value from last year's high. It's down like 60% this year. Is that something? I mean, uh, do
3: do you even go there as an investor? You know, here's the thing with Bitcoin. I think Bitcoin's got a shot, a chance. But again, I don't think it's. Unless you really love it, unless you really think you know what you're doing, for me, i don 't think it should be more than maximum five percent of your investment portfolio.
2: Lastly, uh-huh. I see all these ads on FBN and everywhere else. Gold is always the hedge, you know, yeah, against the bad times. Gold did go up in March, it hit over two thousand, but it 's down two hundred bucks since then it 's flat for the year, yeah. which is
3: better than the Dow of course. I, I, I think you know uh, some coins, a few bars, if you can afford it, uh, physical. I prefer physical, uh, put them away somewhere, put it on a shelf somewhere. And maybe, you know, maybe one day they'll live up to the hype. Now, I don't think it's going to lose value. You know, mm-hmm. I think it's proven itself. Overall, though, we're in for a tough time for a while longer. For a while longer. But I, one thing to always remember when it really feels darkest is when you're at the bottom, you just don't know it. Uh, and, and so be careful you know, about throwing in the towel now. You know, uh, you know, I'm, I'm one of these people. I don't think you should ever throw it in. Uh, when the worlds got wobbly earlier in the year, we we got some, we took some profits on some things, took some losses on some things that you know weren't too magnificent, and and raised some cash. But I, you know, the stocks I own now that are down, I'm not a seller. You know, the, the fundamentals would have to change dramatically for me to take a loss on them. Uh, in the meantime, I do plan on being very, very aggressive over the next two months uh, as a buyer. You can watch him on Fox Business Network. 2 p.m. Eastern
2: Time, Making Money with Charles Payne. Good to have you back. Thank you. Thanks a lot.
6: Did you know that every major diaper company either financially or vocally supports abortion? If that appalls you, and you're looking to support a baby brand that aligns with your pro-life, pro-family views, then Every Life is your solution. Every Life firmly believes that regardless of where someone is from, what they look like, or whether they were planned or unplanned, every baby is a miracle from God worthy of love, protection, and celebration. Every Life offers high-performing, supremely soft, premium diapers and wipes delivered right to your doorstep. Their diapers are crafted without fragrances, dyes, lotions, latex, parabens, or phthalates. And you can feel good knowing that every purchase with Every Life contributes to changing lives through their support of pro-life organizations and pregnancy resource centers. Every Life is not just changing diapers, they're changing lives. Visit everylife.com to learn more. That's everylife.com. And don't forget to use promo code Duffy10 for an exclusive
1: 10% discount on your first order today. This is Tommy Laren with your Fox News commentary coming up. U.S. regulators approved vaccine eligibility for
4: the country's youngest. And that decision officially goes into effect this week. This choice impacts 18 million kids across the U.S. Now, some parents are eager and others aren't ready to give their own children the shot just yet. But to that, Dr. Kimberly Giuliano of the Cleveland Clinic says. These vaccines have already been studied. Um, They've been tested in several thousand children. So their children would not be the first. Even if kids have already had the virus, White House COVID coordinator Dr. Ashish Shah on CBS Mornings said that this shot is just more health security.
5: We think maybe almost 70% of kids have ended up getting infected with COVID. Still worth getting the vaccine. It really offers an extra level, level of protection.
4: And that protection is now ready.
5: The latest approved group makes up children ages six months old to five years old. So now basically we have a COVID vaccine available and recommended for every single person over six months of age. Marty
4: McCary, Johns Hopkins University professor and a Fox News medical contributor.
5: What parents should know is that the study was done in a small subset of children, that there was no real statistical significance that showed it was effective in those six months to five years of age. Some parents may choose to get it anyway because there was an antibody bump that was seen after the vaccine. And they should know that Uh, The subset of people were kids who did not have the infection in the past. So, if the kid has had the infection in the past, they've got natural immunity. That data really does not apply to them.
4: Okay. So, I was going to ask about the effectiveness and the protection, but that basically gets right into it. It will at least provide those antibodies. And in terms of talking about who needs this and how many kids have already had COVID, 68% of preschoolers. had been infected in the last two and a half years, and about 200 children between the ages of one to four have died from COVID-19 in the last two and a half years. When we're looking at some of the conditions that children get when they get COVID, what are their symptoms typically like and how dangerous is this disease for children of that age range?
5: Well, I'm glad you brought up prior infection because We really have not seen COVID cause problems in people who had COVID in the past and recovered. And that goes for healthy adults as well as children. And the CDC has estimates that 75% of kids had COVID as of February. Since then, Omicron has been ubiquitous and running around. So the real number is probably upwards of 90% of children today have had COVID, mostly asymptomatic, and um, have recovered. So they've got antibodies. And the thought is that if you got natural immunity, it's pretty effective.
4: But there is one thing to mention, of course, for a lot of parents who've been stressed out throughout the pandemic, basically putting off basic socialization for their kids, be that birthday parties or sleepovers, all of that could soon change with these doses that will now be available for little ones.
5: Yeah, many people have kept their children in a bubble and restricted their activities because of fear of COVID and the inability of kids under five to get a vaccine. For many of those parents, they have been clamoring for a vaccine and now they will be able to get their children vaccinated. But that's a minority. Only 18% of parents of kids six months through five years of age are planning to get the vaccine anytime soon. Most people recognize the value of natural immunity or they're just not convinced by the data. And to be honest with you, when I look at the data that was presented There is a case there to vaccinate healthy kids, but the case is not compelling. The effectiveness ranged from 37% to 80%, depending on the group. And the 80% effectiveness number was based on three children who got infected. So we're talking very low numbers. So we're really extrapolating the benefit based on observations in older kids. And the study was 6,000 kids in total with Pfizer and Moderna. It's hard to make conclusions about rare complications or safety events when you have such a limited study. The polio vaccine, by comparison, was studied in 1.8 million children before it was widely recommended.
4: Well, I do I do think we should note that some parents desperately have wanted this vaccine. It is mental reassurance for them. Dr. Rochelle Walensky, who's the CDC director, she recently said that vaccinating young children is a critical opportunity to protect them and prevent hospitalization and death. So there is definitely that push of people who want it. But as you mentioned, there's a large portion of families who aren't quite ready to have their kids get the dose, especially kids who are this young. So I'm curious, in your opinion, when we saw the vaccine rollout initially, there was this big wave of the elderly population who rushed to get the vaccine, eager to receive that, followed by eager younger adults. And then the daily vaccination numbers really slowed down and people waited to see if they were comfortable and ready to get that vaccine. So in your opinion, do you see the vaccination rate for young children to be the same, with eager families quickly going as of Tuesday to get their kids vaccinated, and then a fairly quick drop off of vaccination numbers, maybe in the, the weeks or months to follow.
5: I think that's gonna be the case. I think there's a reason why only about a third of parents have vaccinated their five through 11 year olds. Many have chosen not to because the kids are healthy and the case is not strong, or the kids have had COVID in the past. If a child has a special medical condition, almost of any kind, and they've not had COVID in the past, then I recommend vaccination for those kids, even young children. But for many parents, they're not really uh, dying to run out there and get there. The study shows four to five parents are not eager to get their kids under five Mm -hmm. vaccinated. And I think for some people, they're just going to say, I'd like to see some more data. And you know, mm-hmm. perhaps that's okay. The kids who have gotten in trouble with COVID to date were children who had comorbidities. The hospitalization rates quoted to parents have been inflated. We got data out of the UK today that 65% of hospitalizations for COVID were actually with an incidental COVID positive finding. So COVID is real and people do get in trouble with COVID and die from it. But the numbers now are different given broad population immunity, And the recognition that the numbers were inflated based on incidental COVID findings.
4: And throughout the last couple of years during the pandemic, we've seen a shift of mandates and requirements uh, throughout these lockdowns and reopenings where for certain events and venues you needed to be able to prove that you had been vaccinated. Now that vaccines are available for kids, there are some questions of how this dynamic will change, but vaccines for kids in this age group will not be enforced
5: to attend school. Yeah, we're going to have to see. We've done it with other vaccines, so it's not that novel of a concept, but there will be a small subset of schools in America that will certainly require this vaccine, and that may constitute some of the parents' Uh, who made a decision to go ahead and get their child vaccinated, they see that summer camps and schools are likely going to be requiring it. One of the counterpoints is that this is a vaccine for the Wuhan strain, the original strain. Omicron now behaves differently. And some parents are waiting Mm -hmm. until more Omicron specific vaccine comes out and is available for kids like the Covaxin vaccine, which is better for variants.
4: To that, White House COVID coordinator Dr. Ashish Shah said in his CBS interview that it's more about keeping kids from having drastic reactions.
5: These vaccines, despite the fact that we have various variants out there, uh, are doing an extraordinary job keeping kids out of the hospital. That's why uh, both (laughs) CDC and FDA have been so enthusiastic.
4: Now, meanwhile, governments are also more optimistic, and while the pandemic Course, as we mentioned, is far from over. We are not seeing the same number of cases and we're not seeing the same number of restrictions that we had seen. More and more countries now worldwide have dropped vaccine testing requirements to travel. So do you see that these restrictions and requirements will really only continue to be phased out in the weeks and months ahead?
5: (laughs) I think it depends on where you live and the perception about COVID. And the reason I'm chuckling, Alex, is that I lived through Ebola in the hospital, and during Ebola, we had a massive scare in the United States, a scare that was disproportionate to the true risk. But the measures to try to address Ebola were implemented about six months after the real threat of Ebola, after we had a few cases in the United States. And it took years for us to remove many of those. Um, uh, practices. So we have a history of holding on to restrictions and precautions far longer than we need to. And of course, that damages public health credibility. You can only cry wolf so many times. I do worry that if we get a highly contagious respiratory virus that's very novel in the coming year or 10 years, that people are going to be a little burned out on this, and they may not follow a recommendation when we need them to mask because we have been pushing masks for COVID beyond their sort of welcome stay.
4: Yeah, well, pushing masks and pushing vaccines definitely is what we saw throughout the last couple of years. But worth noting, right now, we are seeing the lowest death rates from COVID-19 in the U.S. since the start of the pandemic, which is an extremely positive sign. So do you think that masking up and getting vaccines for the majority has, has led to those numbers of where we are today?
5: So the research on masks should have been done in the first 24 hours of the pandemic. The NIH should have resolved to this open question very quickly. Instead, they let it dangle as an open question in the public forum where opinions filled in. N95 masks are highly effective. We've used them in caring for tuberculosis patients in the hospital for years. But the cloth masks and even the surgical masks are not very effective. And the tragedy is that Nobody should be dying of COVID right now if we treat people appropriately, given the antiviral medication and anti-inflammatory medication and early testing and detection. There's really no reason anyone should be dying of COVID right now, with rare exceptions. Population immunity is high, and I think people should feel good about their immune protection. People need to recognize that people die from profound isolation, not just from the virus.
4: There are so many um, effects and I mean, even just sociological changes that we've seen. I was in an airport this morning and the number of kids that you see wearing masks. But for them, it's become normalized. And if anything, some children feel comfortable with masks as a form of protection. So it's obviously interesting just from the psychological standpoint of how this has has shifted the world uh, in the last two years.
5: Yeah, I'm a big believer in masks. I've worn a mask in surgery for a long time and we asked people to wear masks Mm -hmm. when we believed it was a flu-like transmission through surfaces. But the studies have been done now in the schools that were universally masking children versus the schools that were open, free and clear. Several studies have been done comparing elegantly those different school districts and there was no difference in transmission rates. So we need to recognize that kids do need to see smiles, they need to see the visual cues of other um, people in learning and development. And right now we've got a mental health crisis in children that's been ignited from sort of the toughest restrictions of COVID that we've imposed in children among all different populations out there. Kids had it the hardest.
4: Yeah. And now, of course, the big change that we're talking about today, kids have the availability to, for the first time now, get that vaccine. Dr. Marty McCary, Johns Hopkins University professor and Fox News medical contributor, thanks so much for your time.
5: Great to be with you, Alex.
0: From the Fox News Podcasts Network. Stay on top of the latest news and information from Fox News. Listen and download the Fox News hourly update on your time. The trending stories you need anytime you want it. Listen and download now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Rate and review the Fox News Rundown on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen.
2: It's time for your Fox News commentary what's on your mind
1: world swimming has implemented a new gender inclusion policy that restricts males from competing in women's events if they transitioned after age 12. now the spokesperson for the organization was careful to clarify this wasn't meant to encourage 11 year olds to transition thank goodness but rather because science suggests it's post-puberty transition that gives these athletes the competitive and unfair advantage Leah Thomas that means you the group is also proposing a new open competition category for those who don't fall into the new parameters this is a win for women swimming in the integrity of sports in general. There is no way to maintain a biological male such as Leah Thomas has no competitive advantage when her rankings bounce from 462 as a male to number one as a female. And as for creating a new category, go for it. At least traditional women swimming will now be for women. What a concept. I'm Tommy Laren and you can listen to all of my commentaries at foxnewscommentary.com.
0: listening to the Fox News Rundown, Rundown. stay up to date by subscribing to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. And for up-to-the-minute news, go to foxnews.com. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben
3: Domenech, Fox News contributor and editor of the Transom.com daily newsletter. And I'm inviting you to join a conversation every week. It's the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by
0: going to foxnewspodcasts.com.